Hey everyone, my name is Nagi Tang. And I'm Elena Cho. And welcome to Gourmand, a show set on empowering the next generation of food lovers and leaders. So today we're sitting down with Ashley Rouse, founder and CEO of Trade Street Jam Company. Welcome to Gourmand, Ashley. We're so excited to have you. Thank you for having me. So we would love to start um, learning a little bit more about you and your upbringing um, and how food came into play there. Um, well, wow, my upbringing, I think food has always just been something that my family is kind of like, you know, centered around, gathered around. Um, I can't imagine us having ever had an event without, you know, a big spread. Um, so food's always been something kind of near and dear to my heart. Um, I think later in high school, I kind of was just like, I don't know what I want to go to college for. Um, and a lot of my friends like already had it figured out and I didn't. Um, and I watched a ton of the food network and I was just like, I should cook. Like this looks really cool. Um, and so I just was like, yeah, I'm going to go to culinary school. Um, and it was still kind of like a newer, you know, not newer concept, right. People have always been like cooking, but um, it wasn't so like, I guess, trendy as it is now. So um, a lot of people were just really blown away. Like, wow, you're going to culinary school. That's really, really cool. So that's kind of what led me um, into it. I loved to cook. Uh, my mom made me cook because she was a single parent. And um, so she was always like, look, you get home from school at like three o'clock. I get home from work at like seven or eight, like you dinner should be ready. So um yeah, I think I just have always, always been around food and loved to eat um, and cook. And that's kind of what, what took me to culinary school. Yeah. Was your mom supportive when you decided to go? Oh, gosh. I, she loved it. Like, she was so proud. Um, yeah. I, you know, my mom has been my biggest cheerleader from day one um, in everything that I do. But, yeah, from the moment I said I was going to go, I mean, she was just so, so pumped. I'm pretty sure she called the whole neighborhood um, and told them. That's amazing. <laughs> um, and did you want to become a chef after leaving culinary school? Like what were, um, what were some of your goals back then? Goals in college, right? I, I didn't, I probably didn't have any, I'll tell you what, um, I, I did want to become a chef. Um, but I, I'll be honest, I think after kind of working um, in the industry a little bit through culinary school. And then after I just, I got so burnt out, you guys, like it's such a tough industry. Um, and you know, for, I probably worked in the industry for maybe six or so years, right? Like two in, two in culinary school. And then like a few years after, and then like, at that point I was like, wait a minute, this kind of sucks. Um, and you know, I've been a chef for over 15 years now. So I've always worked in the industry, only ever worked in the industry. But I think, you know, halfway through, I was just like, wow, this sucks. Like I was working 16 hour days. I was standing on my feet the entire time taking, they, you don't really get breaks in most kitchens, like unless it's a corporate kitchen, like if you're just in a restaurant, like you're not really getting a break. Um, and you're standing on your feet the whole time. I worked every holiday, every night again. Um, and, you know, I didn't know any better. I was young. It was like late nights. It was what I was used to, but you know, six or so years in or something like that, I'm just like, wait a minute. Like I, I want to hang out with other friends, not just friends in the restaurant, because that's the only people awake when I get off, you know, like I want to mm -hmm. spend time, um, with my, my now husband, but my then boyfriend, you know, we, we weren't spending any time together because I'd get off at 1am. Um, he'd be sleep and then he'd get up and go to work at 9am and I'd be sleep because I didn't have to go into like 
one or two in the afternoon. And it just was, you know, it was a crazy schedule and I, I just, I really got burnt out. So I think, um, entrepreneurship just was something that became more and more attractive as the years went on. Yeah. Was that kind of, what was that realization like after having gone to culinary school and spent so many years, you know, working in restaurants, was it scary to realize that that wasn't what you wanted to do long-term or to have to try? Oh my God. Yeah, it was so scary. You guys, like my mom paid for my entire degree. Um, and I, I just remember like waking up one day and just being like, what the hell am I going to tell my mom? Like I've wasted all her money. Like, I don't want to do this. And it's just, I just, I can't do this. Um, she knew, I mean, she knew, you know, how exhausted I was. And, you know, we spent so many like Thanksgivings having like Thanksgiving breakfast or brunch, uh, instead of Thanksgiving dinner, because I had to go in at like two in the afternoon. Like, so she just, she knew she was there for a lot of the like disappointment of having to like leave a great gathering to go into work um so she knew but I just I I didn't want to disappoint her um so it was tough but I had an honest conversation with her and I'll never forget she bought me this book that was like a hundred careers in culinary arts um and I went through it and you guys I was mind blown I was like wait a minute like food journalism like what are these things like what what you know like I again, like it's so popular now to be like a food blogger, right. And make money that way. But like, you know, back before Instagram was huge and and all these things, like I didn't know any other way, except like I have a culinary degree, so I should be a chef. Um, and this book just, I mean, it blew my mind. You guys, there was so many weird and fun and and crazy things you could do with a culinary degree. And it it just like, it gave me life. It just re-energized me. And it really was like, you know, I think I, I, I didn't know then like, okay, I'm going to, you know, start a jam company or anything like that. But I, I started a food blog um, and did that on the side, just like for fun and was kind of playing around with food photography. And it just kind of like brought my creativity back and, and got me excited um, for what was to come, even though I didn't know what was going to come from it. But I just knew that I had other options and all I had to do was find something and, and it would be a fit for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. And I think that's something that we're all realizing. And like part of the reason Elena and I wanted to start Gourmand is just to expose students and just younger people to what careers in the food industry are out there. Because I think it's like most people, when you think, oh, I want to work in the restaurant industry, they think, oh, like there's like, I can be a chef or I can go work as like a server, but there really is just such a broad range of different careers and opportunities out there. Yeah, definitely. So what was one your first pivot and move into entrepreneurship? Um, well, I was, I actually had a custom like alterations business that I was doing. So I've, I've also, um, sewn for so, so many years of my life, um, starting when I was very young and it was something I love to do. So I started this business, um, it was called urban Mondays and it was really cool. I was, I started off with like, like taking the sleeves off of denim jackets and and replacing them with like sweater sleeves like sewing on these like old vintage sweater sleeves which is funny like my husband we always joke like now he's just like god urban mondays was so ahead of its time because like 
pretty much everything you see sold in like urban outfitters is what I was making. Um, and so we were like, so people would send us like an old denim jacket or an old sweater and we would trick it out. We would like, you know, switch out the sleeves. I would turn like an old pair of jeans into joggers. And so it was this cool like concept where people would mail us stuff and we would like turn it into something else. Um, and, you know, I loved doing that. And then I, I, that taught me a lot about entrepreneurship. And then I started doing the jam just on the side as well at the same time. Just again, I'm a super creative and I've always got to be like moving and doing something. Um, and so I started doing the jams too, just because like, you know, I love food. I was, I was cooking all the time. And so I started making, preserving things in jars basically. Um, and then I think I just did both of those for a while. And then I read, I remember reading this article that was like, you know, 25 biggest mistakes I made as a food business. And I, I think like the number one mistake was starting two businesses at one time. And I felt like he was talking to me. Like, I was like, wait a minute, what? Like, and I, and I had to make a decision. Like, do you want to continue on with Urban Mondays? Because that was starting to really grow and like pick up some traction. Um, but I did love making the jams. I was selling just on like Etsy, but it was fun. And I was creating a little following. Um, but yeah, my time was stretched, right. I still had a nine to five. So, um, actually it definitely wasn't a nine to five, but you know, I still had a full-time job. Um, and so I had to make a decision, um, then and there, which one to move forward with. And, um, I had an honest conversation with my husband and it's like, Hey, we don't have he was helping me with the business. And I was like, we don't have retail experience, right? So if we want to grow Urban Mondays, we probably need to like go work in retail to like better understand the business. And all we could think of was like working forever 21 and fold shirts. Oh my God. Like we, like that terrified us, like just thinking of that. Um, and I was like, wait a minute, but if I do the jam, I don't have to do anything. I have a culinary degree. I have like 10 years of food experience. Like I don't, you know, so it just like, it was like, all right let's just, I, I got to choose a jam. And where did the name Trade Street come from? Um, I came up with the idea for the jam company when I lived in this tiny little apartment in Charlotte on Trade Street. Um, so I, again, I was doing a million different things and um, I was making like jams and preserves and all these things. And I was like, I should start a jam company one day. And I would love to call it trade street jam company. It just like stuck with me. And a friend of mine was like, that's such a cute name. She was like, write it down. So you don't forget it. And I'm glad I did because that was back in 2008 and I didn't start the company until 2016. So, um, wow. yeah, yeah. That's but the, yeah, yeah. The inception though came from uh, trade street in North Carolina. So you were originally selling on Etsy, you said, um, what was it like shifting and kind of scaling up from Etsy to markets and then to e-commerce eventually? So I was selling the jam on Etsy while I was doing Urban Mondays. I stopped Urban Mondays and started just like focusing more on the jam. So we just were selling more on Etsy, like growing through that platform. Um, definitely was inspired by all of these really cool craft markets and fairs that like Brooklyn and New York has that I didn't really see in Charlotte. Um, and so I, I just, it's so funny. I remember like going into, cause they would be in these really cool warehouses, right? Like you walk down an alley and there's like nothing in the alley and you like turn into this warehouse and there's all these makers with all this like really awesome vintage and jewelry and food. I mean, just so, so cool. And, um, I just, I remember going into one and being like, God, I could never get into these. Like, I wonder what it would take to get in these. And then, you know, after I got in one, I, that's all I did for the next three years was, was do probably a hundred markets. So it's funny looking back, thinking that, but 
we grew into the markets. We did one and then we would do another. And then it just became the main method of doing business. You know, we were, we were still selling online, but it was just like, you know, these markets where where we were interacting with our customers, uh, we were getting real time feedback, which was so valuable. You know, they would taste the jam and right then and there, you know, we could see it in people's faces, like, okay, this one's a winner. Like, you know, 25 people today just were like blown away. Um, or like, you know, out of these six, like four selling, but these two are just not moving. Like maybe we need to replace them. So it was really great um, real-time feedback that you don't really get online. Um, and so that was kind of the next transition. And then my husband, who's just like a really great marketer, he didn't want me to sell on Etsy anymore. You know, he was like, you're marketing their platform and not your own thing. Um, which made so much sense, right? Like you go on Etsy and you get lost in so many other things, or you like go to a jam and then you scroll down and it says like, try these. And it's like four other people's jams right and so you click on that now you're somewhere else and you don't even buy my product um whereas I want them to get lost on my own website in my own flavors right or in my other products so um it made perfect sense so basically built a website probably over the course of you know like a month and then just switched over when did you start to see the shift between in-person sales versus online sales because I know now like the online digital sales uh, is growing a lot. Well, I think before I saw the shift, I wanted to create the shift, um, if that makes sense. So I think after about three years of doing literally hundreds of events, um, I was just, I was tired again, exhausted. It reminded me of like my culinary days where I was so tired and it's a lot, it's a lot setting these events up. I mean, you got to drive there, you got to carry this heavy tent and set that up and then cases of jam. And like, you know, my friends were selling like earrings. And so they had like a little tote bag. They just carried it in. I had these cases of like 15 pound cases of jam. I'm like sweating. I mean, it was, just, and then you, you, you sell for eight hours, right. Talking to people and you got to be on and then you got to break down and then, you know, put everything back in the car and then do it again tomorrow for Sunday. It's a Saturday and Sunday. I mean, it was just so much. Um, I also knew I wanted to have a baby. And, um, I remember seeing a couple moms with little babies, like in their booths, like in the back crawling around where they were trying to sell. And it just, I was like, this is not the life for me. So I, you know, I told my husband, I was like, Hey, I want to like transfer to online. Like, you know, people are buying more online. I mean, Amazon was obviously crushing it and growing. And I'm like, people are buying online. So why can't we build um, a platform there where like we're spending our focus on and our dollars, our marketing dollars on trying to get people online. Um, and so I kind of wanted to create that right before I really knew that was like a huge thing. I just was kind of like, look, it looks like that's where the trends are going without any market research, that's what it looks like. So let's go that route. Um, and that's funny, it was, that was at the end of 2019 after our crazy holiday season, I was just like, I'm not doing this in 2020. So we have to figure something out because I don't wanna do events in 2020. And then like March comes along and COVID hits and I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I was gonna do some events, like the big ones. Uh, okay. So we totally just had to like pivot. And it's just funny because people are like, how did you like change your whole strategy? I'm like, we didn't like, that was where we were going towards anyway. And mm -hmm. I, I, you know, it's like, God, like put us here. Like it's what God wanted because I, I didn't know how I was going to do it without events. And then COVID happened and it's like, people had no choice, but to order online. It was like perfect for us, you know? 
Yeah. No, that timing is so crazy. Um, yeah. One thing I'm curious about is how you kind of, you know, there's obviously so many jams being sold online. How did you go about sort of differentiating yourself, finding your niche and, um, and yeah, kind of competing with, within a space that I think there is a lot of competition. Well, I think sometimes it's just like timing and a perfect storm of things, right? So like we had built a really great following from in person. I mean, we were featured on this show called The Hustle on Viceland um, and we were the very first episode and we got just like huge, huge like sales from it, but like also just customers like following, like a cult jam following, right? And so they all followed us like from from offline to online yeah it was really really great so like all these people that we had built relationships over the years still followed us um to online and so that helped um also it's kind of an an era where like cpg brands are now like cool and trendy right like we've always had cpg brands but now it's like the cooler your packaging and like the cooler your marketing. And like, if the brand owner is like a young hipster, I mean, it's like, it's kind of crazy, but it's like that they're becoming trends, right? There's so many brands I can think of that are just like cool because they're cool. Um, and so we kind of tried to ride that wave too, um, by being like a Brooklyn owned brand and having really cool, funky packaging. Like I always wanted our packaging to stand out. I always thought like, you know, we'll be in retail one day and, I, how are we going to stand out? Like, I don't want like, you know, to look like, uh, what's the word? Just like really down home, like homemade, like, you know what I mean? I wanted it to look yeah. like pop and like be like trendy and like a hipster, like we're in Brooklyn, you know, I wanted it to look so, so different than like your tr- traditional, like picnic table basket, like looking jam. Um, and so I designed this label that really like spoke to that. Um, and so, like I said, I I think it was a perfect storm of a lot of things, right. The packaging, the brand owner, like me, like being out there and just putting my face out there and really being transparent and authentic about the brand, um, building up that, like, you know, brand equity by being at these events. Um, and yeah, I mean, and doing so many, like, you know, I had this uh, mentor, the guy from the hustle, who was the the host, he told me, um, I, I don't say no to anything. And I thought that was so interesting, because he meant in the form of like, you know, all these podcasts and interviews, and, you know, people will reach out, and he said, I don't say no to any of them. And I thought that was so, so interesting, because we had so many people reaching out to us to do any type of like PR or press or anything. And some of them were big, but a lot of them were small places that I had never heard of. And, you know, my initial thought is like, it just naturally, right. I'm like, who are you? Like, <laughs> but when he said that, I was like, wow, it doesn't matter. So I just started saying yes to everything. I did every interview, every podcast, every article, like everything I could do. Um, because you have to imagine that if even one person finds out about you and purchases, and if they purchase multiple times, and then if they tell somebody about it, I mean, now you've touched, you know, three, four, five people just through this one thing where you thought maybe it wasn't going to be that big because it wasn't a food network, you know, interview or something like that. So that also really helped us kind of make some traction in the online space. Yeah, I love that because I mean, and that goes back to those individual connections, which, you know, you said started with your in-person events and being able to connect with just one person and build that relationship. I feel like that, you know, there's a similar sentiment going on with um, 
the idea of even if just one person reads this article or listens to this podcast, um, you can start to build that relationship with them too. Yeah, definitely. And what were some of, I guess, your initial jams that you launched with and what are some of your favorites today and how does that recipe development process work? Um, well, some, you know, I, gosh, when we started, I was doing this concept where, because everything was very small batch. So I would make a flavor. And then once it ran out, I would like retire that flavor. I wouldn't bring it back. And then, so it was so cool because it kind of drove this like, um, excitement and anticipation around a flavor. And so it was kind of like, okay, if I don't buy it today, like, even if she's at this market next week, it'll probably be gone. So Um, people really into it. Little did I know that is like the least sustainable way of building a business. Um, And so that didn't last very long, but um, I was doing all types of crazy flavors. Gosh. And because I was retiring them, I mean, like the only one that I know that we're still doing is the strawberry chipotle and fig, which is actually our number one bestseller. Um, And I know you guys also have kind of this commitment to being vegan and low sugar, where was that there from the start? And was that one of your initial goals and kind of what was the thought process behind that? Um, you know, I think it, it's funny how things like work out and how you kind of just back your way into things. Like, I don't think I ever started off and was like, oh, like, this is what I want to do, low sugar and vegan. And like, but like, I think as I was kind of cooking and creating, I was just kind of like, wait, why are all these jam recipes I'm finding on the internet have so much sugar? Like I'm, you know, I was like, I'm on Weight Watchers and this is like 35 points. Like, why is there, you know? And so then I was like, well, why don't I just like not put that much sugar in it? Like literally, why can't I just not put all that in there? And so I just started like cutting it in half and then like testing that out and then like cutting it a little bit more until the point where it was like, okay, this makes sense. And then when I would like run the nutritionals through um, our like company that, that does our nutritional labels and I would see the sugar content, I'm like, wow, like this tastes really good. And there's three to five grams of sugar in this. Like what we're seeing in the store has like 18 grams. So it was really like, yeah, this makes sense. And then it was also like, this is going to be another differentiator for us. So that's kind of where that came from. And then the vegan was just like, well, yeah, I mean, it's a a bandwagon, right? Everybody's like vegan these days. It was like, yeah, this makes sense though. It just adds to our clean label. Um, And just like, you know, we wanted everything to be like three to five ingredients, like no preservatives, no additives. You can pronounce everything on the label. Like that, that just naturally made sense as a chef. Like I didn't want to make something that was like crappy for you, you know? Yeah, I love that. Um, And finally, to wrap up, um, we're curious if you had any advice um, for students who want to be entrepreneurs or want to enter the food space. Um, Yeah, man, it's a long game. I wish somebody would told me that it was a long game. I thought I would be rich by now, um, and I'm not at all. Uh, (laughs) So it's a long game. Um, And to be patient and persistent and um, don't let nose stop you. You know, I eat nose for breakfast. You're going to get a ton of them. Like, and you just have to be like, cool, brush it off and keep moving. Um, I've had so many people tell us no, that now are reaching out. Like basically like, I know, I know you guys are super swamped, but can we please like stock your jams here? And it's just so funny. Cause it's like, gosh, I reached out to you guys like four times in the past five years. Um, and now I'm telling you, like, I'll get back to you. Um, and so you just have to like be patient and um, 
and, and persistent and like be okay with having to wait a little bit, you know, it, it doesn't come quickly and it, it's not the easiest path, but um, yeah, there's also a lot of pros to entrepreneurship. So keep those in mind when you have to go through like a little bit of the struggles, just keep in mind, like, Hey, do I, do I want to be working for someone else? Do I want someone else to be writing my hours for me or telling me when I can do this or that? Like, you know, there's a lot of pros. So just remember those when you go through the the struggles and the challenges and yeah, it's, it's a tough industry, but Hey, what's an easy industry. Yeah, no, that's great advice. Um, and our final segment is something that we like to call the quick fire tasting menu. It's just a series of short, fun questions. Um, so say the first thing that comes to mind. The first one is what's the best flavor combination in general? Oh gosh, uh, alcohol and anything. <laughs> Don't judge me. What's your go-to? I honestly, bourbon and our jam. Like seriously, bourbon, our jam, and like a little bit of honey or agave uh, mm. makes the perfect like stiff but really flavorful drink. We'll definitely have to try that. Um, what's yeah. your must-have non-jam item in your fridge? Uh, it's it's condiments. Uh, I'm a condiment girl. I love like mustards and uh, chili crisps and um, you know just like sauces and things. I like to put things on things. Yeah, I love that. Um, one of my best friends, her Instagram handle is Condiment Queen, and she's like the biggest <laughs> fan of Trade Street Jam. Oh, good! I love to hear that. I love that. Um, what's your favorite thing to eat or make with jam? I guess that's not a cocktail. Um, probably something sweet. Uh, I'm not the best at baking, but I insist on trying all the time um but uh I love like you know baking a pie with it or making some type of like uh, sweet quick bread or something like that uh, the gym's just really good in sweets and me and my husband have a sweet tooth so yeah probably something baked baked good and then final question who's someone in the industry that you want to give a shout out to it's doing something cool there's so many people um Piskea hot sauce she's woman-owned she's Latina I love what she's doing. Um, there's so many like CPG brands. Uh, Jing Chili Crisp is really cool now. They're like really trendy. And I, I just respect like the marketing and the trends behind them. Mm -hmm. uh, Truff Hot Sauce is doing some really trendy, fun stuff. Those are all great, um, all great brands that are doing such cool things. So yeah. Thank you so much, Ashley, for taking the time to be on our podcast. We'd love learning about how you started Trade Street Jam and just everything that's going on with the company. And we're so excited to see it grow um, and try new jam flavors soon. Yeah, definitely. Uh, if you haven't, check us out, you guys. Follow us at tradestjamco.com. That's the website and the handle. You like how I mix that together. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, the same. The handle is also the website. Um, but yeah, check us out. Tons of recipes, tons of fun products, jams, hot sauce, mocktail, elixirs, uh, all clean, all really fun. So definitely follow us and uh, grab some jam. Tell your condiment queen friends, keep on condimenting. And that's a wrap on our episode with Ashley from Trade Street Jam Company. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. I'm Elena Cho. And I'm Maggie Tang. And this is Gourmand.